Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Hi, and welcome back to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll have seen recently that I've been getting a bunch of questions. And while I've been doing my best to answer them all, I've also noticed that a lot of these questions are pretty similar. So I've been doing some Q&As on my Instagram stories to answer them. Now, if you don't follow me on Instagram yet, head on over and find me Teaching Autism. I share different activities to try, tips, information, freebies, and I try to do Q&As every week or so. You'll also find a bunch of distance learning ideas on there, as well as an autism quiz, which is great for testing or even adding to your knowledge. But I know a lot of you don't have Instagram, so I thought what I would do is turn some of these questions into podcast episodes or blog posts as well. And today I'm starting with talking all about my distance learning experience. For me, this was a little harder to adapt to because I currently serve a range of students who differ in age, ability and level of understanding, but all are diagnosed with autism. When lockdown procedures came into place, I was put into a difficult position. Do I send everything home and let the parents try to fit in the learning and take over the teaching? Do I not do anything and hope that the students don't regress too much during the time off? Or do I try and find ways to continue learning that work for my students and their families? Like probably almost every other educator out there, I was stressed at the sudden turn of events and how I was going to continue to provide the best possible support and learning opportunities for my students. And instead of throwing myself into lesson plans and thinking about how to do it all, I switched off. Yep, I switched off. I switched off for one whole week. I spoke to my students' families and just told them to give them a week of play at home and get used to being off and the new normal. It also gave me time to find out more about the situation and how long this was going to likely last. For the first three days of that week, I did absolutely nothing work-related. I watched the news, I did a little bit of reading up on everything to get as much information as I could, and then I would just relax and work out at home. And I'm actually going to do a blog post or maybe a podcast episode about why exercise has been my lifesaver through my career at another time. On the fourth day, I woke up and I knew that I was ready to start tackling this head on. So I pulled out my trusty notebook. I sat in front of the TV with a pile of chopped up strawberries, apple slices and a scoop of Nutella and I got to work. I knew in order to get this to work, I had to tackle all of the small pieces Trying to go in and tackle the whole problem at once would never work and it would just end up in me being overwhelmed with trying to do everything at once. So instead, I wrote down all of the potential problems that me and my students may face with distance learning. This was things like a schedule. How was I going to service my students? Would I provide individual or group opportunities? What schedule would work best for my students' families? Then there was the delivery. 
how was I going to deliver these sessions? Did the families have access to computers or tablets, Wi-Fi? Could the students access these sessions on their own or would they need a parent or family member there with them to help them access it? Then there was the content. What was I going to do? There was no way I was going to be able to get them to work on all of the things that I had already planned. So I had to cut down my content. But what do you cut out first? How do you know what not to do and what to focus on? And finally, I had to think of my students as individuals, like we do on a daily basis anyway. It's just when we're faced with a new problem, we can sometimes panic and overthink things instead of realising that we actually already do a lot of this when we're face to face with our students. What ways do our students learn best? What are their IEP targets? What skills do they need to work on? What are their interests? How can I keep their attention through distance learning? So I wrote down all of these problems and then I pulled out some large pieces of paper. And on top of every piece of paper, I wrote down one of the problems. I pulled out my favourite Sharpies and I got to work thinking of ways to resolve each of these problems. And the thing that stood out to me the most was that I really needed to have my students, parents and families supporting me for this to work. So I put together a Google form and I emailed it home to everyone. Now, it wasn't a complicated form or anything fancy. I literally went on Google Forms and put together some questions super fast. And there were only five questions that I asked. Number one, what is your schedule like? What days and times are you available to assist with helping your child learn? Number two, what types of technology do you have access to at home? Number three, do you have access to Wi-Fi? Number four, would you prefer live sessions with myself or pre-recorded? And number five, would you be interested in group sessions with other students and their family members? And that was it. Just five super quick and easy questions for them to answer. I didn't want to make the Google form too big or too long for them so that they wouldn't have time to answer I wanted to make it short and sweet and to give me the answers that I needed. I messaged each family member to ask them to complete that form within 24 hours so that I could start providing services as soon as possible. Now, I was initially worried about that time frame that I gave them because would they all be able to complete it in time? But I think what became very quickly clear was that They were all panicking about what they were going to do with their children at home all day, every day throughout lockdown. And they were desperate for any help that I could offer. So they were more than willing to fill in anything that would help them out. Once I got the results, I was quite lucky to see that everyone had access to some form of technology and Wi-Fi. There was a mixture of responses for live and pre-recorded sessions that they wanted and that really helped me with my planning. A lot of the family members had at least one family member home full time for the foreseeable, which made scheduling so much easier. And I found that a lot of families preferred weekday mornings. It meant that they would have something of a routine for their children each morning when they wake up. And all of them were happy to do group sessions and individual sessions. All of this gave me the groundwork I needed to start my planning. This time, I pulled up my trusty Airtable account. If you don't have Airtable, honestly, 
get it. It's totally free. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. It's an affiliate link, but you'll get $10 credit for yourself if you decide you want to try the premium version. But honestly, the free version is perfect. I just use that. Airtable is basically, really simply, a spreadsheet program. I created a base called Distance Learning and inside I made a spreadsheet for each of my planning areas or at least areas of the curriculum that I could get my students to work on. First of all, I set to work on my schedule. I wanted to do one live session each with my students on an individual basis every week. So I worked through my students' family schedules and provided time slots for these students. They weren't long slots, maybe 20, 30 minutes, anything longer than that and I know I would have been pushing my luck to keep my students engaged and focused over a screen. It made better sense to do shorter bursts of work more often. Then I put together one live group session every week where everyone could get involved for a session where we would all take part together over Zoom. And one morning a week, I scheduled a live themed session. So we did things like Beauty and the Beast morning, a pyjama party, and I'll link to the blog posts for you to check all those out in the show notes and grab the free resources so you can use them with your students too. Finally, I thought about what my students enjoy the most in class. And it was picture books and story time. They love stories, reading them, having them read to them. And we do a weekly sensory story session with our picture books that the kids love. And I knew they were really going to miss those. If you want to find out more about my sensory story sessions, I'll link to a blog post in the show notes as well. And there's a podcast episode about them. If you're one of our VIP members, you get access to these scripts every month in the membership. And I'll link more about that in the show notes too. You can sign up, get a three-day free trial and have access to those sensory story scripts to try and use with your students. Anyway, back to the content. My one live group session every week, I needed to decide what I was going to do with it. I toyed around with a lot of different ideas and in the end, I decided to go for a cooking themed session. My theme morning sessions could easily be tailored to fit different curriculum areas and IEP targets. Whereas the cooking session was a great way to work on a range of life skills and something fun for our students to do at home with their families as well. So to condense that down to make it easier, what was I providing? I was providing a live one-to-one session with individual students every week which lasted between 20 and 30 minutes. A live group session once a week which was a live cooking class for students to do at home. A live group session once a week which was based on a theme or topic like Booty and the Beast or having a pyjama party. Pre-recorded videos of me reading picture books. And finally, I did drop off some resources to students' houses if their parents wanted it. Things like adapted books and items that were ready put together that they could use while at home. I would also record the cooking classes after having my students' families permission for this and I uploaded those along with the pre-recorded videos of me reading stories to them to my Google Drive folder and I shared that with all of the families. 
This meant my students were able to access these whenever they wanted. I actually spent one whole Saturday switching out outfits and recording a batch of around 15 picture books so that I could upload them all and then I added more to it every week. A lot of my parents said these videos were lifesavers, especially if they don't have a huge selection of books at home and many use them as bedtime stories and as part of their night routine. The one-to-one -one live sessions that I did were tailored as if I was in the classroom. So what was that student currently working on? What skills did they need to work on? What were their IEP targets? Then I found ways to work on these over Zoom. So for example, I had one student who could recognize 2D shapes on paper, but not in the environment around them. So one week I had him go on a scavenger hunt around the house and I just asked him questions like, fetch me something that's a circle, fetch me something that's a triangle. He had so much fun running around the house, finding items that were different shapes and fetching them back to me. Plus, it meant he was having a break from the screen and it was actually easier to keep him engaged this way. Another student was working on her name. So I used activities like getting to write her name on a piece of paper and showing it to me. I sent home puzzles of her name and asked her parents to print them out and cut them up for her to put together and form her name. I used online activities where she could draw her name on the computer. I got her to type her name. I pulled up click and drag activities like boom cards where she needed to drag the letters into the correct order to spell her name. Once I started to think about ways to work on a skill, it made it so much easier for the ideas to flow. I would also email home some homework for students to work on. Things like life skills activities that they can do around the house and worksheets that were easy for parents to print out and use. And I'll link some of those free resources in the show notes as well for you to download and try out. Boom cards were another lifesaver. I've used TinyTap with my students a few times, but boom cards work even better than that. I was able to create new boom cards and send them to my students to complete, either on a computer or a tablet. The best thing is that they are self-checking and I can see my students' progress and results, having all of the evidence in one place for me to have quick and easy access to. Because let's face it, taking down evidence is something we really don't want to have to add to our list of stresses right now while distance learning. But with Boom Cards, that's all done for you. And I'll link to some free Boom Cards in the show notes for you to try out with your students as well. I'd heard of Boom Cards before all of this distance learning, but I'd never tried them. And how I wish I had tried them years ago. They are definitely going to be something I continue to use with my students, even when we're back to face-to-face -to -face learning, because they're just so engaging. Our theme sessions were hugely popular every week too. I would send home ideas for parents to do with their children a few days before the live sessions if they wanted to. So for our pajama party, I sent home visual recipes on how to make cookies. Then during the pajama party, we all ate the cookies we made and had milk, or in my case, a cup of tea. And they made the whole thing so much more fun and relaxed. Students showed off the cookies they made. We talked about different shapes of cookies, what they felt like, what they tasted like, how many we made. It was a great way to work on a range of different skills. And the parents loved getting involved too. When we did Beauty and the Beast Day, 
So many of the children and their family members got dressed up for our live session. We had different crafts, boom cards, story time, and it felt like we were all back together having one of our usual theme days. And finally, our weekly cooking sessions. I've shared about these a few times over on my Instagram stories, and you all kept asking me to share more about what they looked like. So if you follow me on Instagram, I apologize because you've probably already seen or heard this, but for those of you that don't, the weekly cooking sessions were probably the most successful part of distance learning. Every week, I would send home a visual recipe a few days before a live session so parents could get together the ingredients. Really important tip here. Pick ingredients that are easy to get hold of. I don't know about where you are living, but where we are, People at the beginning of lockdown started to stockpile everything and we really struggled to get hold of certain ingredients. It was crazy. So just keep an eye on ingredient availability when you're doing this. A lot of our shops are back to normal now with stock, so that makes things easier. On the day, I would host a Zoom call and everyone would be ready to get some cooking done together. We'd have little competitions for things like who wore the best chef outfit, who made the most mess and all sorts of things just to have fun and keep students engaged. The parents would print out or have on their computer screen or tablet the visual recipe that I sent home and we would all carry out the steps of the cooking session together. Students would have me on full display on their device so they could see me modeling the steps of what to do as well as having the visual recipe in front of them as well. It was also a great time to work on questioning and conversational skills. So that's a quick overview of how my distance learning experience has looked so far. I thought I'd share some of my top 10 best tips for distance learning for you today as well. So I know a lot of schools are looking to go back in person in the new school year. But a lot are also considering models where it's all online or part online. So hopefully these tips will be helpful for you. Number one, don't overthink it. If you need to take a step back and have a few days off like I did, do it. You'll be so much more refreshed when you come back to it and be able to put a plan in place. Number two, don't feel pressurized by social media and what everyone else is doing. Focus on you and your students. I always compare this to the Pinterest-worthy classroom craze, where everyone always wants the perfect classroom that's shown on Pinterest, and honestly, that's not something to aim for. Aim for something that works for you and your students, not for Pinterest. Number three, map it all out. I find it so much easier when I can just dump everything out of my brain, put it onto paper, And it really helped me to write out all the potential problems and be able to find resolutions for them as well. Number four, use Google Forms to quiz your students' parents and families to find out what works best for them and how you can prepare moving forward. Number five, use something like Airtable to help you plan everything out, map all your ideas down. And this is a great way for you to see if you're missing out any subjects, skills or IP targets. Number six, make things as easy and streamlined as possible. This has been stressful for all of us, so don't add to that stress. For me, using Boom Cards gave me data that I was able to quickly and easily jot down without having to explain to parents about prompting, reporting, gathering data for me. It was all done as students completed the activity. Number seven, 
speak with your students' families. A lot of my students' families were really nervous about finding things to occupy their children while at home all day, every day. So I spent time putting together some visuals for activities that they can do at home for different subject areas and skills. And you can find those same visuals over on my Instagram, Teaching Autism, under the Learning at Home highlight. Feel free to screenshot them and email them home to parents for them to try at home too. Number eight, use what you already have. I had a bunch of task boxes and adapted books made up that I knew my students loved to use. So I divided them all up and I reached out to students' families to find out if they wanted to try using them at home. Every single one said yes. So I dropped them off outside their houses and they all used them to keep their children occupied and continuing their learning. Number nine, email your parents an ideas email each week. I filled it with things off Pinterest like craft activities and things they can do around the house, anything that was easy to keep them occupied and engaged and busy while at home. Number 10, finally and most importantly, don't stress about not knowing what to do or things that are out of your control. This is new for pretty much all of us and we're all trying to waddle through these same murky waters. Reach out to people who you think are doing something really good and ask them about it. Get in touch with your teacher friends. What are they doing? What's working for them or not working for them? If you're really stuck with something, reach out on social media. I love hearing from all of you on social media or through my email and I really work hard to try and make sure that I answer everyone. Now, I'm by no means an expert in the field of distance learning. This is a first for me too, but by just focusing on what I knew worked for my students face-to-face and spending time problem solving, I was able to put together a distance learning plan that's worked really well for us. If you've been following me for a while, you'll know how often I talk about the importance of having strong, professional and positive relationships with your students' families. And distance learning has been proof of just how important that is. Because communication is key throughout all of this. And being able to find out how to help and offer services has been made so much easier because of those relationships. Each week from today onwards, I'm going to be focusing on distance learning and preparing for back to school. Whatever that may look like for you, I'll have some great tips that will help you prepare for the new school year. Tune in next week on the podcast where I'm going to be talking all about how to communicate with parents and families doing distance learning. And don't forget to head on over to the show notes and get access to all of the freebies and blog posts that I've mentioned today. Head on over to Instagram and follow me, Teaching Autism, along with all other social media platforms as well. And if you have a spare five minutes, I would love for you to take the autism quiz that's shared on my Instagram story highlights. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you.